1: Welcome to the Ask Harry podcast. This is Harry Margolis, and this is the podcast where we interview experts on all aspects of estate planning.
0: In this episode of Ask Harry, Harry chats with financial advisor Amy Lampert of the Bullfinch Group and founder of Women's Worth on the subject of financial planning for women and widows. Enjoy Harry's conversation with Amy.
1: Amy, thank you for joining me today.
2: It's my pleasure, Harry. Thank you for having me.
0: So we're going to talk today about
1: financial planning for widows and I guess for women in general. And I'm sure a lot of uh, what you're going to advise for widows and women applies to everybody. It does. Um,
2: and one of my favorite topics. Good.
1: And if, which is why I invited you here to, to talk about it. And so what do, what, what do widows really face in terms of uh, their financial future that's different from really everybody else?
2: Well, um, believe it or not, women still are delegating, um, sometimes I like to use the word abdicating, mm-hmm. the, uh, their financial planning and uh, financial security to uh, an important male in their lives, um, a husband, a brother, a father. But in the case of a spouse, that renders a woman fairly unprepared uh, in the event of certainly a sudden loss um, or a loss at all. And one of the things we see in our practice all the time is that women, when they're least emotionally prepared to undertake what is probably not that pleasant a task in the first place, uh, in a very uh, at a very bad time, they're just not prepared to do that. And they further delegate it then uh, to a financial advisor or an attorney. And my mission is to help get women prepared long before a life cycle event, so that they are prepared.
1: So they shouldn't just wait until they become a widow, but they need to uh, get, really get involved with financial issues before that. And
2: you- I, I, I'm, you know, I'm of the belief that uh, financial management and personal financial planning should be a partnership between uh, two people, whether that's husband and wife, or uh, very often there's a brother and a sister, um, siblings, um, but particularly to get out in front of it to plan.
1: So how do you get people to do that? And I'll, I'll tell you about my own circumstance. I probably uh, shouldn't uh, put my dirty laundry out there, but I, I handle all of our finances. Dirty laundry is fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I handle all our finances, and every month I pay the bills, and I and often say to my wife, do you want to see how I do this? And she said, yeah, she says, well, it seems, it seems to be working, and, um, and, she, and it's kind of one of those things that gets um, on the very bottom of our prior, priority list.
2: Right. Well, that's, that's where I think an advisor comes in because an advisor, whether it be a couple or even an individual client, one of the roles of an advisor is to keep the process moving, mm-hmm. to keep the planning process moving, to keep the action uh, steps and tasks relevant to planning moving along. And I think that's one of the values that a, an advisor provides because people procrastinate. This is not a particularly – uh, it's not a high priority. You know, I'd much rather watch the Durrells on uh, PBS than, than to sit down and do financial planning. <laughs> kind of like estate planning. <laughs> sort of, exactly. <laughs> because, well, that's even worse. In, 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 in the world of financial planning, estate planning is definitely the things people procrastinate about. Because they don't know who to name as a guardian or who mm-hmm. to name. They can't come to to right. uh, agreement on that. Right,
1: because there's no perfect choice.
2: Exactly, exactly. And I think that, that once they make a choice, it's written in stone, which right. is, of course, something you tell them differently.
1: We tell them differently, but of course, if they're not going to look at it for another 20 years, it, in effect, is written in, <laughs> exactly. in, in stone for a while. <laughs> right. um, so, but back to financial planning, so sounds like you act as a facilitator for couples or other male, male-female pairs to uh, get them to talk to each other.
2: Or same-sex pairs.
1: Same-sex pairs, yeah. Any
2: any pairs at all. Um, mm-hmm. we, one of the things that we do a lot is to um, script people who we have a lot of female clients in particular who are they feel incompetent to have a conversation about money. Um, but when we work with couples, we definitely facilitate. We facilitate. We often mediate.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, we help them talk to each other about difficult topics. Um, we work in close uh, connection with estate planning attorneys to have those important conversations, whether it be at the beginning of a marriage um, or as they're maturing or as end-of-life uh, conversations should take place. So facilitation and fa- is, a, is, is a, a very good description, I think, of a, the role of a good advisor.
1: And you do this through regular meetings or um that go, are they annual, are they, when you bring people on and trying to get them to get ready, do you have, uh, have them more often than that?
2: So, so at the initial stages of a plan, we have a, a defined process. That's about a five-step process. It usually involves three meetings, mm-hmm. but sometimes more. And the only, re- the only commitment we have, uh, required from our clients is to meet at least once a year or at any time there's a life cycle event or a change in circumstances, but the, in, the initial planning process takes about 100 days on average. Mm-hmm. It takes, um, there's three important meetings, a discovery meeting, a feedback meeting in which we uh, feedback the results of our analysis and um, observations, and then a recommendations meeting, and then often an implementation meeting if they want us to implement the recommendations.
1: And... And the hope is that if uh, the partnership, the pair, are both in those meetings, that through that, they'll both have knowledge about what's going on.
2: So yes, um, but we do some things that um, actually force both both individuals to be willing participants. We have an intake questionnaire, and we uh, ask both of them to fill out the questionnaire for each of them. Mm -hmm. Some of the subjective questions are answered differently. You know I'm are they are
1: they allowed to talk to each other or are they supposed to go <laughs> into separate rooms and we and suggest a bottle
2: of very good wine <laughs> <laughs> um, sit down together and have a discussion at- about the questionnaire and the questions okay. being asked. But things like, you know, subjective questions are the hardest ones. So, you know, what do you want your retirement to look like? And I'm reminded of the woman who wanted to stay in the city to be near her grandchildren and the husband wanted to go kayak and live in their Vermont house. So mm-hmm. coming to terms with those those kinds of uh, issues.
1: And how did they resolve that?
2: Uh, they did both.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but not doing... separately? She didn't stay in the city and he went to Vermont? There or... are times. <laughs> yeah. There are times. <laughs> okay. Okay.
2: Um, um, and the other thing that we do um, as regards uh, investment planning is we have each of them fill out their own risk tolerance questionnaire, a fairly lengthy questionnaire, um, getting an indication of their stomachs for risk and their postures. And so we do that separately. And that's a biggie because there's very, very frequently a variance between mm-hmm. the risk tolerance of um, generally the husband and um, and the wife. You
1: find that generally the husband has a greater risk tolerance than the wife. I do. Uh Uh-huh. How do you explain that?
2: The brain. (laughs) I think it's the brain. (laughs) (laughs) Is it just different? (laughs) I think women are just, you know, they're nesters. They're more, they're more, uh, geared to security, Mm -hmm. um, and nesting and men go out, make a kill, come home and fall asleep.
1: Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So, so, does that change when people get into retirement? Are they? Are, does the risk tolerance decline because you're you're not going to go out for the kill, kill anymore? Right,
2: it does. Uh, it does somewhat. But but tolerance to risk is um, the, the way the questionnaire is positioned. It really does talk about what comfort level you would be with various amounts of volatility. And while while uh, intellectually people may know they need to carve back their risk. Um, a niche, you know, sort of hardwiring ability to take a willingness to take risk, I think, is remains pretty much the same.
1: And even if you're retiring, say at 65, I don't know if that's when people still retire. All ages, but uh, um, you may live easily to 95 easily. So, so if you're thinking Absolutely. of how long you're investing for, it's still a pretty long period of time.
2: And therein lies one of the very biggest challenges of uh, the planning profession right now is longevity risk.
1: And so can can you say more more about that?
2: Sure. So so people used to retire at 65 and die at 80, the latest, or Mm -hmm. 75. So making money last um, for 10 years with the help of a defined contribution plan, a defined benefit plan, a pension.
1: Which doesn't exist for hardly anyone anymore.
2: Exactly. So that was a much easier task. Um, There wasn't as big a danger of running out of money. Now because life expectancy is so long, a a couple, a healthy couple age 65, there's a very, very high degree of probability that at least one of them will live well into their 90s.
1: And more likely the woman, getting back to our topic of uh, widowhood.
2: Exactly. Women live still on average five to seven years longer than men. And if they are younger than their male spouses, then for sure. you, You add that on. Exactly. So one of the biggest flaws in the general financial services industry advice is that most of the planning is done by men for men mm-hmm. and women are not considered. And the longevity of the second spouse to die is not taken into consideration as often as it should. That's another big flag for women to take into consideration. So how
1: would you change the plan based on that? How would the plan look different? Well,
2: would prob- depending on the, the, uh, the assets of the uh, individual couple um, and, how, and their spending patterns and their lifestyle and how long it's likely they will live, uh, the, the formula is to match up living expenses with guaranteed sources of income,
3: mm-hmm.
2: guaranteed sources of income being social security, uh, pensions, and to narrow that gap with some other form of guaranteed income. Mm-hmm. um laying off the risk for longevity to an insurance company by way of an
1: annuity okay so so you you do use annuities quite a bit
2: if they're needed yeah I mean you know they have a really a, a, a really bad name there are people who there have been ads on uh on uh, popular um broadcast stations about how horrible they are if you go onto the internet, you'll see as much they're the best thing since sliced bread versus they're the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And the truth is somewhere in between. When someone says, do you use annuities? Um, I ask which of the 2000 kinds <laughs> right. of annuities they're, they're are re- you talking they're about? They're really complicated. They're very complicated. They're missold. Mm-hmm. Um, they are in completely sold. They're not fully explained. I think most people who um actually, purchase annuities couldn't explain to you how they work. Mm-hmm. One of the things we try to do in our practice is have people tell us why they're buying the annuity uh-huh. if they are. yeah um, and they are the really a good tool if it's warranted mm-hmm. um, but not 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 it isn't always warranted.
1: and so what would make it warranted? I mean, because you're talking about longevity risk S- and right. um, so everybody has that the, the, of them, the right? danger
2: of running out of money right. And it's not it's not money. Remember, in, in in retirement, more than anything, it's cash flow. It's income. Mm-hmm. You know, income is the most important thing. And um, if there if it looks like somebody can't carve back their living standard sufficiently, uh, and they're going to be long lived, and they're going to run out of money, the only choice is abject poverty, <laughs> or to lay off the risk for <laughs> longevity to an
1: insurance company. So they would basically. Um, in effect, say maybe have enough money to self finance through eighty five, mm-hmm. age eighty five, mm-hmm. and then but they would buy an annuity, so that if they live longer than eighty five, they'll they'll still have some money.
2: Yes, and and that decision can be made at various uh, stops along the way. So um, maybe maybe um, somebody gets to seventy five, has not bought an annuity, but mm-hmm. it looks like they are going to live another. Fifteen years, that might be the time to buy an annuity. So mm-hmm. sometimes they're bought too soon. Sometimes mm-hmm. they are, and they're very complicated. So if there is, um, there are other aspects. So if if people buy annuities and they're concerned, one of the objections to annuities is that in some types of annuities, after the person after the annuitant dies, the money goes reverts to the insurance company, not mm-hmm. to the heir. Right. So, uh, but if you take the the holistic plan, and there is are other sources of money pouring into the estate, i.e., life insurance, for mm-hmm. example. Um, then that might be a good plan. Um, so it depends on what a person's interest in legacy is. It depends on what kind of real estate they own. Um, is their home a source of income through reverse mortgage? There's just so many. What my partner likes to say, pieces to this jigsaw puzzle.
1: Yeah. So we've been talking uh, a bit about uh, longevity planning and planning before you're a widow. Um, What happens uh, when people haven't come to you in advance and aren't prepared and uh, a spouse dies who's been managing the finances?
2: So I'm I'm going to answer that question. Um, I'm going to back up just a minute and and say that I urge everybody not to get into that position because it Mm -hmm. gets much, much more difficult, not only for the the client, but for the planner as well, because there's, there's fewer choices. Um, having said that, um, and I would I, I would love, love you to ask me after this question, what people should do ahead of time specifically. Okay. But um, what happens is um, really dependent on what kind of planning was does, done. So um, does the uh, surviving spouse know where the vital documents are? Mm-hmm. Does he or she know who the advisors are and how to contact them? Are they comfortable with the advisors? Um, they need to know where the assets are located. Um, certainly, they need the services of an, uh, an estate settler, an estate planning attorney to settle the estate. They should have and should have been informed about who the various parties to the party are. So who is the executive personal representative? Who are the guardians If that's uh, So who are the various roles mm-hmm. um, that come into play? They're, all that should be, and you'd be surprised that not everybody knows that.
1: <laughs> or if they didn't know it, they forgot it. Right. Right.
2: Um, in terms of financial planning um, for after the death of a spouse, one only hopes that um, there were pieces of a plan in place to replace the income mm-hmm. of a spouse if that's a big if for example if it's a young widow with children in college and i mean it's it's this a uttermi- tremendous that's why it's so important to plan early
1: so so to to make because anybody could die unexpectedly
2: unfortunately they you know that's
1: I got, yep. a, I got a call the other day about a case where a man actually fell off the deck of his mm. uh, vacation house and died yeah in around 50. Mm. And uh, that was yeah. of course not, not expected.
2: Yeah, well, you know, um, except really later in life, uh, there's really no such thing as an expected death, right? And even if you did expect it, it's still it's still tragic. Right. So um, I just't can't, I can't um, emphasize enough how planning early on in life, mm-hmm. um, especially for young couples that have children or plan to have children, um, to do that plan, And I assume as insur- insur-
1: as well. ins- insurance is a big part of that.
2: It is a p- big part of it, but it's not the only part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly having the appropriate um, uh, estate planning documents. Um, people make, I think you find this too, that people think that you have to have, be very affluent to ha- have an estate plan these right, days. Right, right. Because, because the, of the word estate, right? Yeah, exactly. The, that's, but that's, it's really... It's a
1: mansion with a big lawn.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we tell people, well, and also because of the the, uh, the high threshold for estate, federal estate right. taxes. Yeah, But, you know, we tell people that an estate plan is what you would do if you were here when you are no longer here, whether mm-hmm. it's that little teeny amethyst ring that Aunt Charlotte wanted, one of the Grandchild that to, to mm-hmm. have, yeah. So um, a, a part of every good plan involves, you know, where there's a six legged stool to every financial plan, one of which is estate planning.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, so you have a new a new widow, and, um, and I'll assume it's a her, but it could, it could be a he. It could definitely. Be and a he. Uh, but let's say, and she or
2: and, a divorcee. I mean, you know, oh, they, could they're be, yeah. so similar. Right,
1: that's true. So similar. Yeah. So, um, and she may, she may be financially secure in terms of uh, there was enough money or there was enough life insurance or or not. Right. And in either case, she may or may not feel secure.
2: Well, and chances are she doesn't because she, even if she does have financial security, she doesn't know that she does. Or the flip side is she thinks she has financial security and she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so without trying to sound self-serving, um, I've been in the business long enough to have a really good overview of the types of advice that there are out there. And many times I see widows and divorcees um, with investment portfolios um, who think that they're fine because they've been told by the managing advisor that they're fine.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Um, looked through. Whether, the, whether
1: or not that was the spouse, <laughs> the managing <laughs> advisor.
2: Well, well, if there's an advisor and, 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 the, and the surviving spouse feels comfortable with that advisor, it's often because, well, he or she was good enough for my husband, so yeah. certainly he must be good enough for me, mm-hmm. especially for people who have some means, yeah. right? Because the the assumption is, well, if we, ha- if we have means, it must be because the advisor's good. Yeah. Um, and actually, the reason people have means is because they're good savers. Uh-huh. They are often helped by the market. Yeah. A rising tide. These days. Right last 10 years, rising tide lifts all ships, and it may Mm -hmm. or may not have anything to do with the advisor. Maybe the advisor did no harm. But it might also not be a portfolio that is appropriate for a widow. Mm -hmm. Um, Working, non-working, with children, college, just the the needs are, and the liquidity needs especially, may be completely different than if you are in a uh, coupled or partnered situation where the machine of income is Mm -hmm. flowing Rapidly, uh huh. So um, that's a mistake I often see. So, so
1: the portfolio has been created really, for under long, very
2: different circumstances, and,
1: for, and thinking long term that they're going to need this money in 10, 20 years, and all of a sudden they need it now.
2: So yes, or some of it exactly. And so it's an it's an accumulation portfolio, mm-hmm. right? And you know that portfolios while they're accumulating are much more forgiving. When I say accumulating, meaning you're adding money to them mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. Um, are much more forgiving than portfolios where you start distributing assets.
1: Because if the market drops, you're still putting in, and then you're buying assets at a a low level, which will pay off in the long run. So you are dollar-cost averaging,
2: I think that's what you mean, your dollar-cost averaging on the way in, yes. But there's also a a concept called the sequence of returns, where um, the sequence of the returns, good returns in early years, um, bad returns in later years, or... Bad returns in early years, good returns in later years doesn't matter when you're accumulating. When you're distributing, the sequence of returns are all important and could be devastating Mm -hmm. if you have negative returns in the early years.
1: So how how do you protect against that possibility? Because that could happen any time.
2: Oh, there's a lot of strategies. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one is to make sure that liquidity needs are met in a, bas- a liquidity basket so they're mm-hmm. not in the market should you need to tap them. Uh-huh. Okay. So yep. if somebody was getting ready for college, for example, uh, had somebody, a child who was two years away from college, um, you would want to put that, if the market was where it is now, for example, yeah. right, historically high market, you may want to put that in a liquidity bucket mm-hmm. so that when the time came to tap those funds, you weren't subject to the vagaries or the volatility mm-hmm. of the market.
1: Mm-hmm. That's, sounds That's like one good strategy. Example. Yeah. Good. Well, this has been a great introduction, and uh, um, I just wanted, before we break, could you tell me and the listeners a little bit more about yourself and your practice?
2: Well... Um, I just celebrated my 40th year in the industry. I started when I was 12. <laughs> um, I've been, uh, I've practiced in almost every channel in the industry. And what I mean by that is some of the big, big, um, you know, well-known broker dealers, the wire houses, I think they're best known as to boutique firms. I've um, consulted to um, a great number of companies that are very well known, particularly in Boston. Um, And then I started my own company about 20 years ago, particularly focused on the needs of women. And
1: that's Women's Worth.
2: And that's Women's Worth. And I um, joined, I folded Women's Worth, merged it into the Bullfinch Group um, in just about eight years ago. It was a great move. They have an incredible depth of resources. And... um, you know, you teach what you most had to learn. And there was a time in my life when I felt as though I was ill-prepared to manage my own financial resources uh, at a time when I sort of had the rug pulled out from under me. And that's always been a passion of mine. So um, I continue to do that with um, great satisfaction.
1: Good. Thank you very much, Amy. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Ask Carrie podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends and colleagues. If you have questions about estate planning, you can find answers at askharry.info. And if you don't find your answer there, you can post a question and I will respond to it. You can also subscribe and listen to future episodes on iTunes.
0: Prior to the podcast, Amy provided the following notice. This material contains the current opinions of the presenter, but not necessarily those of Guardian or its subsidiaries, and such opinions are subject to change without notice. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting device. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Material discussed is meant for general information purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. The Social Security Administration has not approved, endorsed, or authorized this presentation. Contact the Social Security Administration for complete details regarding eligibility for benefits. Amy Lampert, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities LLC, PAS, 160 Gould Street, Suite 310 Needham, Mass., 02494 781 449. Four four zero two, securities, products, services, and advisory services offered through PAS, a registered broker dealer and investment advisor, financial representative. The Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. The Bullfinch Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Guardian Life Insurance. Offered through the Bullfinch Group Insurance Agency LLC, an affiliate of the Bullfinch Group LLC. The Bullfinch Group LLC is not licensed to sell insurance. The Bullfinch Group is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. California Insurance License Number 0K32356, 2019-89067, Expiration 1121.